This is Will Montgomery, former Washington Redskins center. Yo, what's good, folks? This is Trey Johnson, the headbanger, yo. And you're listening to Mess Hall with Rally Captain and Tailgate Ted. Word. What's going on, Rally? How you doing, man? Dead, my man. I'm doing ecstatic. But like I always say, after a loss, you have to have a short memory. You have to have the same thing for a win. Let's get it, Ted. I hear you, man. I hear you. But I'm still riding high after this dub. You know, and I know we just recorded our post game. This whole schedule is kind of screwy with us because, you know, I'm not staying up Monday night and you're driving home from uh, 95 up there. So we did that on Tuesday morning. And for those wondering, it's Wednesday, November 16th at four o'clock. We appreciate you all listening with us in the mess hall. Do us a favor, though. While you're listening, go click subscribe. It definitely helps out our numbers and it helps us prove back to our sponsor, Warbridge Collectibles, that they're definitely putting their money where it's worth, man. And these guys got a special going on for the holidays. Rally, you mind telling them about that? Well, so this special that they have is a gift card. And I know a lot of people say a gift card. Well, it's just not a gift card. So how many times have you received something and you didn't like it and you had to send it back? Well, Woodbridge Collectibles is, <laughs> yeah, Woodbridge Collectibles is taking out all of the guesswork, meaning you get the gift card, whatever you want framed, the gift card is going to include shipping and handling everything. So all you need to do is just get it to them. They'll send it back to you. It's already paid for. You can't go wrong. So it's mistake-free. Get your jerseys, your pictures, or what your memorabilia, whatever it may be, framed by Woodbrick Collectibles. Send it off to them. They give it back to you. No-brainer. Utilize them, folks. They do A1 work. That's sweet, man. And they came out to the uh, Heroes, Inc. fundraiser I did on Monday night for the Eagles game at the watch party. And the guys had a ton of stuff set up. It really? was awesome. Yeah, man. They had uh, like a Redskins frame that had pictures of the old players in each letter. And a bunch of the guys were in there. So B. Mitch was in there. Mark Rippon was in there. Doug Williams. So I'm thinking, I kind of want something like that. And it was 25 bucks. I was shocked at how cheap it was. Because wow. I could then get B and Brian and Doug and a bunch of the other legends to sign it all on one thing. Because I live in downtown D.C. I don't got room for a dozen jerseys to hang or the cash. So thinking something like that, if anyone's wondering what to get Rally or me for the holidays, you know, check out WoodbridgeCollectibles.com. They got more than just jerseys on there. Just a ton of cool stuff. And we really appreciate them sponsoring the show and making all this possible. It, it it really means a lot. They go out of their way to help us. So it's just one hand washing the other, helping them. So let's get it done, guys. They do great work once again. Definitely, definitely. But jumping into this week's matchup, we got a short week. So we're going up against the Texans. And the big question on most of people's minds is, Carson Wentz is scheduled to come off IR if everything is okay. So coach had his press conference the other day and I was stuck in an all day meeting and I had headphones in and everyone's staring at me like, what the hell is he listening to? 
because it's old school headphones, like, you know, not earbuds from back in the day. But <laughs> a lot of questions went coach's way. And this was actually Nikki Javala asking coach who the starter is going to be this Sunday. Can you add a starter? Well, we're going to see what happens this week. Um, we have not had an opportunity. To, I have not had an opportunity to sit down with Alan and go through what the doctors have decided, what they've decided. But the first thing I'm going to tell everybody is let's don't get ahead of ourselves because remember, we got to return him to practice first and see where he is if he is cleared and ready to go. So we'll go from there, guys. And, and, and be honest with you guys, um, when I do decide this and this is done, um, you guys are going to be the last ones to know. I got to inform people. I've got to talk, sit down and talk to Scott and Kenny. Then I got to talk to the quarterbacks. And then I've got to uh, talk to my football team, guys. Uh, so for the most part, you guys will be the last ones to get noticed, uh, notified. I can appreciate that from Coach, saying the media is going to be the last ones to know. And really, I think it's because Adam Schefter is probably going to be the one to leak it instead of you know letting the local people know, which is something that Washington does all the time. And during the post-game show, I know you don't get a chance to watch it, but B. Mitch and Tana were talking to J.P. Finley when he was on the field, and J.P. made a joke like, uh, I think Carson's finger's starting to hurt again. He might not actually come off of IR yet. So, <laughs> well, well, I got to tell you, I know you said you can appreciate it, but I got to tell you something, Ted. This is NFL, man. This isn't Pop Warner. This isn't Pee Wee. This isn't college. And I understand that to a degree, even though Carson Wentz is a grown man, I know that everyone has feelings, but I got to tell you, as a coach, and maybe this is the reason why I'm not a coach, hey, I'm going with a quarterback who has the hot hand, and, and Taylor right now has the hot hand, so we're going to ride him until we are for sure that Carson can come back. And I don't know when that's going to be. So for right now, we're going to stick with Taylor until while he has the hot hand. I agree with to you. Me, I think that, that's yeah. the answer that needs to be given, I, I believe. Now, I, once again, I'm not a coach, but why even allow all that extra stuff, man? Just say it and be done with it. And I think part of the problem is they made their bed during the offseason with all this extra stuff with Carson themselves. Because keep in mind, they called him before they drafted Sam Howell. They have done everything they possibly could to make Carson feel wanted and specifically come out and said it multiple times. And if he is scheduled to potentially come back, because Rivera also said last week that Carson was already throwing the football. So we've mentioned it time and time again. For those new mess hall listeners, make sure you go back and check out the past episodes. Ron and the staff kind of made this issue themselves when they constantly talk about different things and they mentioned themselves, or he mentioned himself during a press conference before the Eagles game, that Carson was already starting to throw the ball. I mean, less is more. If he stops giving out too much information, then he doesn't have to worry about getting in these predicaments when it comes to the media and the fan base wondering what we're going to do. Because you may have saw us beating the Eagles, but a majority of us didn't, and we thought that Taylor was going to have a bad game and it was going to be a no-brainer that Carson was going to come in. Well... Taylor shocked the world and ended up pulling out that W. And now the big question is, how are they going to make this decision? So this is what Ron said during his press conference yesterday. Hey, Ron, when it comes to the with quarterback in general, what are some of the, what are the factors 
that you have to consider when there's a situation like this with Carson coming with a guy coming back from an injury, but a guy who is also three and one. Yeah, I mean, you have to look at the momentum. You have to look at you know what 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 the mood of the team is. Obviously, there's a lot of factors that go into it, John. A lot of things that I'll have to discuss with Scott and and Kenny for that matter, um, which we'll be doing uh, a little bit later. And then, like I said, I, I still haven't sat down with Al and 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 gotten the full report uh, and what to anticipate as far as. Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, going forward, uh, if everything's clear. Ron, with the quarterback, do, do you see this decision as any different than the previous decisions you've made with quarterback in no. your career, given the momentum involved with Taylor or anything? I don't. And, and, and the reason being, Matt, is, is, is you know, you, you look at what is best for the team. And at the end of the day, that's how it has to be. You know, you, there's a great saying, you treat everybody the same, you treat everybody fair that you treat everybody according to the team. And, and that's what this is about. So the decision being made will be about the team first and foremost. Um, you know, and, and one thing that I've always done is, is whoever the starter is, you know, I'm going to commit to them fully. And, and I, cause I don't want them looking over their shoulder. I want them to understand this is the opportunity and this is where we're going with it. So whatever the decision is made after, you know, my conversations today and tomorrow morning, that's what we're sticking to. So during the press conference, and I didn't cut this one up, but Michael Phillips from the Richmond Times-Dispatch also added another question and basically said, is this going to be a long-term commitment? Because Ron said he doesn't want the guy looking over his shoulder, or I'm paraphrasing what he said there. (laughs) Coach then backtracked and said, well, no, we're playing week to week. So it's not long-term. And then he tried to keep moving and talking about Lovey Smith and how it's a well-coached team and how we can't look past the Texans, which I get all that coach speak. You can't look past the Texans. You can't look past the Falcons and talk about the Giants. But he just said a second ago how he wants to not have that guy look over his shoulder. And then maybe three or four minutes more into the presser, he's talking about how, you know, we're taking it week by week. So which one is it? You know, yeah. I mean, that, he, you know, he, he he stepped on his his hind parts uh, or his private parts big time already. <laughs> he, he he really did, and and that's what I'm saying. You 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 make it harder for yourself because if it's if it is in fact the benefit of the team and all this feeling and and kumbaya, then we know who it is. We know who it is, and it's yeah. not Carson. Not a knock against Carson. It's not a knock against Carson, but we know who it is. So just go ahead and say, hey, you know what? And, and, and okay, so here's the other thing, Ted. He said I, Carson's been throwing. Yeah, that's not a problem. He has been throwing to see where he to see where he is, to see where he is. But right now, you know, Tyler Taylor, I'm sorry, Taylor is our guy for right now. He has the hot. Just go ahead and say it. He has the hot hand. Yeah. And, and and if Carson isn't grown enough to understand that, then I'm sorry. Then he doesn't need to be a football player. Period. He's still our man. No doubt about it. He's, he is still our number one guy. No one can ever change that about it. But at this point, who has the hot hand? And boom, there it is. Yeah, he's, he's not tricking anybody. No. You're not going to fool the Texans and Lovey Smith into repairing for Heineke and all of a sudden Carson Wentz comes in or vice versa. We all know who is going to start on Sunday. And if he tries to say Carson's going to start on Sunday – He's going to have a revolt from the players in that locker room and this fan base. As we're recording this, the team is in the practice bubble. The media is there. And Nikki Javala tweeted that 
Carson Wentz is nowhere to be seen. He's not in the actual commander's walkthrough right now in the bubble. I'm not sure why they're in the bubble, considering it's nice outside today. I'm a little bit chilly. And on top of that, there's also no Cole Holcomb and no J.D. McKissick. And this is a walkthrough. This isn't an actual practice. They're sitting there in sweats. So that leads me to believe, and it is Wednesday. But because Cole and J.D. didn't play against the Eagles, and the fact that they're not there for an actual walkthrough leads me to believe that we're not going to have them this week as well. But the one person I'm really curious to see is where is Chase? And this was actually what Rivera said when he talked about Chase's status. How about with Chase? Will he come back? Will he be activated this week? And do you expect him to play? I think we still have a, um, a little over a week to make that decision. But um, he is trending in the right direction. And again, we'll have to see how things unfold this week as well. But it is coming. So it's interesting to hear that he actually still has another week until that clock timer runs out for them to actually activate him. I thought that it had to be this week, but because of how they did it, they bought themselves an extra week. So he technically doesn't have to come back versus the Texans. Maybe it'll be at home versus the Falcons. Now, we've always hmm. talked, he needs to be 110% ready. And yeah. if they're waiting this long, to me, he's not 110% ready. No. Uh, that's the same feeling that I get. And the thing is, at this point, it could be a mental thing more so than a physical thing. Because one thing that we do know is when you go through rehab, they work the crap out of that muscle or those that yeah. group of muscles or whatever it is. So it, it could be a mental thing to where he just doesn't uh, feel comfortable with it yet. So I'm all for it. But see, once again, you read between the lines and he let that out, listening with my third ear, because I listened to a lot of Joe Madison, listening with my third ear, he says, uh, next week. Well, there you have it, folks. <laughs> so if, if, if he shows up against Houston, bonus. If not, next week it will be. So yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. This is what Coach said on what they want to see from Chase before they decide to activate him. Um, with with Chase, what are some of the things that you want to see from him this week? Because there were there was, I think you wanted you know you you talked about yeah. missing that practice, and Jack had talked about that he wasn't able to do everything, not everything, full speed last week. So what do you need to see? Right. It's exactly that the, the things that he's going to have to do in a game, he's going to have to do full speed. Um, he's going to have to have a little more confidence and really be able to stick that foot in the ground and work off of it and play off of it. Um, you know, and that was one of the things that that we saw that. You know, we were a little concerned with, um, you know, Jack hit the nail on the head. We're not going to expose him until it's time to. And, and I, I know, you know, the 21 days will be coming up pretty soon. Um, but our anticipation is we will be activating him at some point, though. So good news is Ethan Cadeau, who's actually out there right now, one of the other beat reporters, Ethan does stuff with NBC Sports Washington. He said Chase Young is out here stretching for the walkthrough. So. He's at least in the bubble. Doesn't mean he's going to do anything, but he's at least in the bubble. And this is not a week or a game that I would say, hey, we got to get him out there. And I'm, it's not because I'm sleeping on the Texans. It's just, we've waited this long. Let's just wait a little bit longer if it means no more long-term setbacks or issues with this young man. And yeah. you know, 
we've because beaten it to death. And, and the last thing you want to do, and, and we all know this, the last thing you want to do is put him out there and he, he, he doesn't look as good as he should. It's going to play a, a, a huge, uh, you know, no brain on his, men, on his, on his mental state. And then the fan base is going to come down and, and the whole social media aspect of things. And that's just not what anybody needs. It, it, it doesn't help the, the organization. It doesn't help him. And it doesn't help the fan base. Yeah, but can you imagine how crazy it's going to be at FedEx if that's when he does come back for that Falcons game? Mm -hmm. I mean, reiterating what you said in our last pod, you know, if you guys want to get behind this team, you got your chance, man. Come on out for that Falcons game. Come see me out there, rally out there, the rest of our Burgundy and Gold brothers and sisters, because the tickets are not expensive and we got a shot. So if you get your tickets now, they're probably going to be a little less than what they would be after we kick the Texans' ass this weekend. But I'm jumping ahead a little bit. But <laughs> Well, don't do that, brother. Do, do, <laughs> do, do, do that on ticket sales, but not kicking the Texans' butt. How about that? <laughs> yeah, it's... I went back and I watched five of their games and I can see why they're ranked where they are from a power rankings perspective. And we got away from it the past couple of weeks just because it hasn't been positive for us. But previously before the Monday night game against the Eagles, we were 25th in the NFL power rankings. After we upset the undefeated Eagles, where do you think the commanders stand now? So you said we were 25th, 25th. 2-5, Benjamin St. Juice. Okay. okay. Uh, as I do my St. Juice hand dance, you can't see it, but I'm doing it. Um, <laughs> gee, so we knocked off the Eagles in our division, 25th. Uh, I'm going to say with a win like that, it, I'm going to say we dropped into the, into the top 20. All right. We drop. We drop. We drop below. We drop below. I'm sorry. We drop below the top twenty. We're in that so, range, right? Yeah. No, you got it, man. It's tough to pinpoint the exact. We're 17 now. So no kidding. Yeah, I'm surprised that we moved up to 17, but then seeing some of the other teams out there because I think people forget how we gave the game away to the Vikings yeah. and how we had to snatch victory from the jaws of defeat against the Colts, but they're riding this Heineke wave. He's three and one and NFL.com saying there won't be many moments this season as unintentionally funny as Taylor Heineke celebrating Brandon Graham's late hit penalty in the final <laughs> minutes. Like he just successfully executed the helicopter dive in Super Bowl 32. Still one controversial penalty shouldn't obscure an incredible primetime performance by the commanders who knocked off the previously undefeated Eagles and put themselves right in the thick of the NFC playoff race. Washington's ball control offense was remarkable, possessing the football for over 40 minutes of game time, despite averaging just 4.1 yards per play. Huge turnovers made the difference, none bigger than Derek Forrest's fumble recovery after a 50-yard gain by receiver Quez Watkins midway through the fourth quarter. The commanders had a marvelous time ruining everything. And... We're getting healthier at the mm -hmm. right time. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying we're peaking because we're not even close to peaking yet. But we've got guys that are stepping up. Defoe, we talked about it. You know, I gave him my rally chain yesterday. You know, 
he's got three turnovers this season just himself. If we remember that pick he had against the Jags, and then he had the fumble recovery, and he had the INT. Did you get a chance to see that play? I did. And I I did, and I got to tell you, man, it was a lucky, lucky catch. It, it, and it and it, it it's no different than anything else in football. Some things are gonna go your way, and Monday night things went our way because that ball went through his hands to begin with, <laughs> hit the Eagles receiver's hands, and then bounced off the receiver's hand back into Defoe's arms to get the the INT. So I'm not mad at all, brother. The fact of the matter is. Lady Luck was on our side, and I'm hoping that she is in our back pocket. She stays in our back pocket for the rest of the season because Lord knows we need it because a lot of things have not gone our way throughout this year. And a percentage of it is luck. I completely agree with you. But the other percent is being in the right place at the right time. And he put himself in that situation to get a chance to make a play in those were the issues we were having in the beginning of the season. There was just miscommunication with William Jackson III and the rest of the secondary out there. Cam Curl wasn't out there. He was still hurt. And the guys just weren't in the right spots. So we were getting beat on explosive plays. And they were explosive plays where no one was around. Mm-hmm. We at least have guys hustling and being where they're supposed to be. And that is the difference right now. This defense, I mean, if Ridgeway doesn't come back and cause that fumble, granted, there was a face mask on the penalty and their tight end is out for weeks now because he got hurt. I'm not crying about it, could care less. But he hustled back and made that play. And that's what the difference is right now because guys are trusting their teammates and they're in the spots where they're supposed to be that the coaches put them in to make plays like this. And are we going to get four turnovers versus the Texans? I doubt it. They are pretty damn bad. But are we going to get a chance to make a couple of turnovers? Yeah. And if the guys are right where they're supposed to be, then who knows? Maybe Lady Luck will still be on our side this weekend in Texas. I'm not sure, but all you can do is hope. Well, I, I think the other thing is I, I, I either saw this or I heard it. And correct me if I'm wrong, that last week was the first week that the offensive line has played together as a complete unit, the, 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 first, the starting five guys. Um, this was the first week that they all have played together. At some point in time, somebody's been subbed in or whatever have you. So maybe they're starting to gel a little bit because the play was better this past week. I wouldn't say that's exactly what happened because you had Sam Cosme and Cornelius Lucas splitting snaps for whatever reason, but Riley and I want to welcome in Robert Land from the Houston Sports Talk podcast. Really appreciate you joining us. Those out there, make sure you give him a follow at HST Podcast. He's actually been doing this since 2013, cover the Astros, the Rockets, the Texans, the Longhorns. You guys got a lot of teams out there, man. There's... Definitely a lot of things to talk about sports-wise out there in Houston. 
It's a great time in Houston for baseball, the best time ever. It's been fantastic, obviously. I was at the World Series parade just last week, so that's how good that's going. But, you know, in the NFL and the NBA, the Texans and the Rockets, I, I don't even think there's a debate. They are the two worst teams in the sport right now. And it's it's not hmm. much of a debate for that. And they're likely getting the first pick in the NFL draft this year, barring some minor miracle in these last few weeks. The, the Rockets have had the second pick and the third pick. And this year, they're hoping to get the first pick in Wemby, I guess, the way, they, the, the way they're playing and the way they're being coached right now. So yeah, it's been a crazy time here with, with uh, two teams that are just so down right now and, and one team that's just at the top of the sport. Well, I want to say thank you for crushing all the Phillies fans' hopes because we're here in the <laughs> D.C. area. I cannot stand Phillies fans, Eagles fans, Penguins fans, just that whole town. I used to work not too far from there. And seeing all those upset Phillies fans just made my day. Even though the Nationals had no chance of doing anything MLB postseason, I feel like I won because Dusty, your manager, was here. And I was so yeah. happy to see him get that World Series championship. He really, really deserved over the years. Dusty is amazing. You know, he's somebody that has had his share of criticism, even from Astros fans in the last two or three years. There's a lot of criticism for some of the lineups that he would roll out there. Not, not a whole lot else, but, you know, they, they, they gave the talent credit to, you know, Jeff Luno, who had brought all of this great talent in before you know, what happened to him. And so, you know, Dusty took a lot of hits over the last couple of years. Um, but we also, you also love the guy at the same time. I think Astros exactly. fans loved him. And also like any manager, he would take his share of criticism. But the more you read about what, what happened with him over the last year or two and some of the decisions that he had to push back against uh, from the higher ups with the Astros, as I'm reading about that in the last week or so, uh, yeah, you, you've got to give him credit. And, you know, as somebody that's, you know, I, I'm, I'm 51 years old. So I go back to Dusty making the last out of Nolan Ryan's no hitter, the fifth no hitter for the, oh, for the Astros. Oh, wow. So that's, that's the, one of the first great memories of my childhood, you know, as, as, as well as the Astros losing to the Phillies in, in a five game series in 1980 to go to the world series. Of course, the Phillies would win the championship that year. And, you know, it's crazy, the full circle of it all, because, you know, that that Astros team was just it was so loaded and could have easily won the World Series and tragedy hurt them with J.R. Richards stroke in the middle of the year. But I mean, they were up two to one in a five game series, and it was one of the great playoffs of, of all time. I don't know if they spoke a ton about it during this World Series, but that series, the last four games, four of the of the last five games or four of the five games period were decided in extra innings. And the Astros, of course, lost the last one at the Astrodome in extra innings with Nolan Ryan on the hill in a 5-2 lead in the seventh inning. That, you know, that's something as a kid, it's one of my, my, my first baseball memories. Yeah. Well, you've got a good memory that just happened there. And hopefully it offsets some of the not so good memories that the Texans have been having lately. I mean, they are 1-7-1 and one right now. But out of their losses, it seems like a majority of them, actually six out of nine, have been within one score. So is that a kind of a misleading stat when you're thinking about it? Or, I mean, it's a four-game losing streak right now. And 
looking at it, it was a 24 to 16 loss to the Giants. And I know that Eagles game, you guys had them on the ropes a little bit there. And they had, I think it was Davis Mills had a couple of interceptions or turnovers at that point. But some of the other games, at least in a box score, looked a little bit closer than what you might believe. Okay. It's a little bit of both because the Texans have been in these games in the fourth quarter and just choked and it's one bad thing after another in the fourth quarter but it's no accident that they're losing these games because there's not much talent on this team give lovey credit uh, lovey smith is doing about as good a job as he can do the quarterback has been terrible davis mills has been a major disappointment there looked to be some potential after last year and this year it looks like we got to draft the quarterback with that first pick but Davis is just, you know, the inaccuracy, um, bad decisions. He He's getting happy feet in the pocket uh, at times, especially it seems like late in the games, he gets even worse with that. Um, but it, it's just, it, 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 the front seven is terrible. And I, I, haven't, I haven't checked this week, but I know last week, the Texans were giving up 180 yards per game on the ground, which is incredible. That's 30 to five to 40 more yards than the second worst team in the NFL on the ground. Uh, the Tennessee Titans, they ran the ball 25 of 26 times in the fourth quarter against the Texans a couple of weeks ago for 300 yards in the game. And uh, Derrick Henry is over 200 yards. And this rush defense is terrible. The front seven is they're awful. Uh, Bill O'Brien as the general manager sort of left the Texans. I mean, he was a, average coach I would say um he wasn't bad as a head coach but when he took over as the general manager and stabbed everybody in the back along the way to do it um he just you know he traded away all the draft choices the good play mm -hmm. I mean it's just I think everybody knows the story but he left the Texans with basically nothing and and, and they had four I think the drafts from 2017 to 2021 or 2020, so four drafts, and there's two guys left, and there might be one guy pretty soon. So hey. Titus Howard, our, our right tackle, first round pick a couple of years ago, he's about the only person left. When you get that little from four consecutive drafts, yeah. I mean, they, they are bereft of talent. And Derek Stingley and Jalen Petrie, the first and second round, picks this year have played just about every snap same with Kenyon Green at left guard first round pick uh Damian Pierce we you know what he's doing um yeah he's a pro bowler he's the real deal he's the only reason I can watch the game guys that's, that's it it's it's Damian Pierce he's the reason to watch one he's, person wow Pierce has been I mean there's rumors he's up for offensive rookie of the year I mean he had a nice I think it was maybe a 40 yarder against the Giants and got you guys into the red zone or pretty close to it and unfortunately the offense couldn't go anywhere from there and had to settle for a field goal but he's got speed he can catch out the backfield I mean he seems very elusive so I can see why he'd be that player that you want to watch and for us I mean I don't think we have a running back that has all those things that Damian has from that side of things, because we've got Brian Robinson who doesn't have the speed, but he's got the power. And we've got Antonio Gibson who has the speed, but doesn't really have the power as much. So to have all of that in one package, if you will, is now it's at least a nice bonus for the future and something to look forward to, but Lovey Smith, I was curious. So 
doing research, looking at this game, hearing all of the drama things going on, has he potentially lost some of that locker room with the scuttle that he had with Brandon Cooks? Taking that C away from Brandon after he made those comments about the trade deadline, or is a locker room pretty much against Brandon at this point, considering what he said about wanting to leave the team and not wanting to be a Texan anymore? I don't know about the locker room as, as much, but I feel like for the fans' sakes, I mean, I don't understand what Brandon Cooks is so upset about. He signed an extension last year. He knew where the Texans were as a franchise. He saw the talent. He's been in the locker room. You knew where they were. They were awful last year. He made the decision that he was going to stick around. He could have said, can you get guys get me out of here last year? And they sure would have tr tried to trade him for a draft pick or something like that. You know, th this is, shouldn't have come as a surprise for him. I don't know what happened with him behind the scenes, but, you know, Lovey, I think just let him not play for a week um, more than really get into it with them. And Lovey, you know, he's very much a diplomat. And I, I, I can't imagine Lovey losing these guys because the only thing I, the only thing I can think of th th them getting lost is just, you know, the, the constant losing, but the mistakes that are, that are being made out there are guys out on the field, making penalties that are at, at the inopportune times, turning the ball over. I mean, this is about the guys on the field and, and again, it's the talent. I mean, the talent just isn't there. Um, the, the linebackers can't tackle because they're not that good. Uh, Christian Harris is third round pick. I, I think he's the, he's coming on a little bit. He was injured for the first few games and rookie is in his uh, third or fourth game, I think this week. And he's starting to show flashes that he might be something rookie out of Alabama, but the linebacking core is a bunch of cast offs from other teams, the defensive line. They've been starting at times an undrafted rookie out of Notre Dame and, and, a, and a rookie or a second year, sec, six round pick from last year on Roy Lopez. So, uh, and, and they're just getting knocked five, 10 feet off the ball every time. So the reason why they're got people are running on them is, and it's so easy to run on them every single game is because there's just, there's, there's not guys that have the size or the strength or any of the <laughs> tangibles in the first two levels. And as far as Brandon cooks is concerned, I'm like, I'm, I'm kind of mad that they just didn't get rid of him any way that they could. They, they probably were only going to get a six round pick for him because his contract is is so much and it's not something that you can easily get out of but you know mm -hmm. i'm just like let's he's not the future obviously the texans don't have many people that are the future but i would rather run out there some undrafted guy that was off the practice squad and just see if you find a diamond in the rough than run out brandon cooks you know levy's so well respected i can't imagine him losing these guys and i think one of the reasons they hired him wasn't and everything that happened last year uh, the, the guys liked him and, and he was one of the most popular guys, you know, amongst the players. And, 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 and I think the fan base appreciated that at least, you know, he was doing his best as a, you know, you know, he's got the respect of the fan base for what he's done in the past as a defensive guy. Um, unfortunately, you know, there's, there's not a whole lot you could do with, with this, with this team. The secondary is, is very good, but I will just tell you guys the key to this game run the ball against the Texans, just run it. Even if you can't run it against any other team, I guarantee you, you will. And there's so many teams that have come in and said, oh, we're going to pass the ball. And they do it for the first half because that's what they do. They go with their initial game plan. But by the second half, 
they throw that out the window and they're like, well, why are we pass the ball? We can just run against this team. And, you know, and, and, and it doesn't help that, you know, the Texans play, Levy plays more of that cover two defense. So he's playing conservative. He's letting stuff happen in front. So it's kind of this bend, but don't break. He doesn't maybe have the personnel to play aggressive anyway. And so teams are on the field for a long time, the first half and by the second half, you know, because the defense can't get them off the field, they start to wear down. So they, they, they stop them maybe for a field goal or, you know, inside the red zone, but by the second half, they're, they're worn out. That's how, that's why these games are so close typically going into the fourth quarter. But I mean, if you look at the point differential, you know, we're at the bottom. So that, that, that's what happens. Well, well, I want to say, Robert, I want to thank you guys. I want to thank the Texans for marinating and softening up the Eagles for us for our pre-Thanksgiving dinner because uh, you guys pretty much showed us a blueprint on how to beat the Eagles. But um, the, the question that I have for you is, uh, are, are fans still supporting the team, although they're one and seven? Well, you guys will appreciate this because I think there is similarity with what's the Texans and the commanders. The ownership uh, is so hated here. You know, it, it really, <laughs> really went south once Bob McNair died. Cal McNair, you know, basically let Bill O'Brien take over. Bill O'Brien was never popular. He he was always hated. You know, he he acted like a jerk. I, you know, I was credentialed for about five years. So I was out there all the time from 2013 to 2018. So I saw a lot of, I saw a lot of Bill O'Brien up close and, you know, just zero respect for him. He was about as, about as sensitive skinned as it, as it got. And he just didn't treat people the right way. And eventually that Mm. sort of stuff catches up to you. The fans never liked him because of his personality. You know, you can be a jerk and maybe in somewhere up in the Northeast, because he was with the Patriots and maybe that's fine to be that and people aren't going to care. But, you know, if you're going to be a jerk here, you better not just win. You better win the whole thing. And consistently uh, the fans here don't put up with, you know, jerks real easily. And if you're a jerk and, and, and you're not that great either, and he wasn't, <laughs> you know, he was supposed to be an offensive genius and he wasn't. And then, and then what happened with him and Jack Easterby and, you know, Easterby really came in and this charlatan, you know, a preacher or whatever, and decided to basically, uh, he convinced Bill O'Brien that <laughs> to bring him in. And then he just took over and got rid of, you know, everybody and blew up the organization. And I don't even know if people know this nationally, but one of the guys that he pushed out had been the team president since the Texans started. And it, I don't know if the guy was necessarily pushed out but basically the guy thought enough was enough and decided to leave. I don't know if it was mutual or not. And that guy just a few months ago committed suicide. Oh my God. And so, you know, and this was somebody that I think had dealt with some mental health issues, but it's hard not to think that if he would have still been with the Texans, which was such a great organization to work for when Bob McNair was there. Uh, the one thing you, you can say is they always treated people nicely there and and people liked working for that organization i mean i got to know a lot of people in that organization i I know people that um i've been in houston uh i've been in the houston media for 20 years so Mm -hmm. you know i really have a deep understanding of what goes on with the different organizations and you know it was just really well liked as far as behind the scenes they they couldn't always get it done 
you know, obviously as a franchise, but that was always well-respected. And Bob McNair was known for wanting good people. You know, they wouldn't bring in criminals and jerks as players. And sometimes fans would be, ah, I don't care. Let's just win. But as somebody that covers it, I, I had a great <laughs> appreciation for that. And I like that. And so, uh, you know, Cal McNair comes in and he seems like this bumbling son that we've seen over and over again with ownership on NFL teams and other <laughs> and other uh, franchises and other sports where it just has no idea what he's doing. And he's, he doesn't have the, quite the football knowledge that his dad had. And he just let the whole thing get, he let people, you know, he, he got basically got hoodwinked and he, and he let this Easterby guy tell him that God was telling him that they need to go hire Jack Easterby and all this stuff. And he, I mean, uh, Casario, Nick Casario and, and Casario gets the job as the general manager. And, and so far Casario has been fine. Uh, he's had a great, this last draft was really fantastic. It looks like, but you know, it's a wait and see with him, but yeah, it, it, it that has entirely lost the fan base to the point where there was a, 10,000 people in waiting at all times for Texan season tickets. And they were having to beg people, call people that had got off the waiting list over the last couple of years and beg them. And they were giving away pizzas to try to get people to go to games by the beginning of this year. I mean, it's, it, it is a total and complete catastrophe of what's happened to that organization because, you know, the, the Texans from the very beginning um, had a, great fan base it was sold out it was packed for years and years and then the last few years it's just since since um bob mcnair has passed away and and all of this stuff has happened and bill o'brien etc cetera, etc cetera, it's it's gotten incredibly bad so it's it, you know it's it's not as public as it is with dan snyder but it, it's still it's it's a real bad situation and snyder you know the stuff that he did was kind of openly egregious where cal it's just been kind of bumbling and not knowing what he's doing and being, you know, snookered by other people and things like that. That's frustrating yeah. to hear. Yeah, very much so. Um, so how much time, how much playing time do you think that uh, newly acquired Amaya Rogers will get this Sunday? That's one question. And then my last question, and I, I've got to go, I got a hard break. Um, what's one of the best steakhouses in Houston? <laughs> um, Joe, oh my goodness. I, I, I do not, I haven't gone out to eat much anymore. <laughs> so, you know, since the pandemic and all that, and I, I never was a, a big restaurant foodie guy. So I don't, I don't know which, which one to point you to. And especially, you know, I don't know how it's been the last few years, because obviously everything with the pandemic has changed a lot of people's uh, eating habits here. But uh, um, yeah, that, that, that's the hardest question that you asked me right there. <laughs> Uh, well, I, I know you guys just picked up wide receiver Amari Rogers, and I mean, you think he's going to get a lot of playing time, even though you just picked him up. I I don't hear much about. It's going to be tough because you know Brandon Cooks is you know he's back in the starting lineup, and Nico Collins caught his first touchdown this year. Uh, he was out for three or four weeks with the groin injury. I think I think he's got a definite future. He was pretty good draft. It's like the one real good draft choice that they got not this past year, but the year before in 2021, uh, Casario's first draft. So those two guys are going to start and play a lot. I can't imagine that Rodgers gets a lot of playing time. They've got other guys that they've been like Philip Dorsett 
uh, not that I'm enthused with, but they seem to like him and they're playing. And Chris Moore has played really well, actually, um, wide receiver. It's it's so hard to tell how good the wide receivers are, though, because Davis Mills is just not good. He he his, He's an accurate uh, he, he doesn't see the field all that well at times. I think he gets fixated on a particular guy. You'll see that happen where, you know, he knows exactly where he's going to go as soon as you don't see Davis Mills look one direction and then look the other direction. You don't see that a whole lot. With he's Davis not going Mills. through his progressions. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't think he, I don't think he is. I think that, you know, and, and maybe that's part of the plan is like, until he can figure it out, we're just going to say, all right, you know, I want you to go to to the main guy because we got a feeling that this guy's going to be open. And if it's not there, get rid of it. Or maybe there's a quick dump down, but I don't feel it like he's going to two progressions that are, mm-hmm. you know, one one guy on the left side and one guy on the right side. But uh, yeah, I just, I would be surprised if you would see much of Amari Rogers uh, this week. I mean, got, other players have come in that we thought we were going to see. There's a, they picked up Tyron Johnson, uh, who who look to be maybe a downfield threat that they could use, but they don't they don't throw the ball down the field much. That's a, another mm-hmm. thing that would help Davis Mills, I think, at least early in the game. And and Pep Hamilton's taken a lot of heat with the fans. I mean, the defense fans will tell you like we don't know what you can do defensively because the talent's not there. But we're not seeing the creativity on the offensive side, and they they don't throw the ball. You got to throw the ball, you know, down the field early in the game. And you know, I, I would see yeah. that with Kubiak when Kubiak was our OC and head coach. And it was always a thing that they would do early in the game. Even with Matt Schaub, this, you know, this spaghetti armed quarterback, they would throw the ball down the field early in the game. And even if it didn't work, it le- at least kept you off, you know, kept balance you a little bit. It opened yeah. things up and, but you know, other teams, you see it, they got eight, nine guys in the box. And, you know, obviously we got Damian Pierce. So I get it for that, but you know, one way to get that, get those guys out of there a little bit is, you know, early in the game, let's go down the field. And you won't see a lot of misdirection with the Texans. You won't see, you know, a lot of pre-snap movement. It's a lot of that stuff. I mean, there's some stuff, there is a little pre-snap, but a lot of it's just, you know, there might be some gimmicky stuff for a play or two, maybe early in the game. But then it, as the game wears on, you're like, where, where's the creativity? You know, I'm used to mm-hmm. watching the stuff that Andy Reid does or McVeigh out with the Rams or whatever. And I'm like, what is, what, what makes... What made him such a big deal as a hire uh, for Davis Mills? I mean, I supposedly, you know, he's, you know, he worked with Andrew Luck, but I mean, I, I, I don't think working with Andrew, I don't, I think anybody could have done fine with Andrew. Andrew Luck's one of the smartest guys I've ever, I covered him in high school, Andrew Luck. So, so I know how smart that kid was. And I used to, you know, we interviewed him and got to know him, but um, yeah, I don't, I don't get the Pep Hamilton, our offensive coordinator. I mean, that's, that's if Lovey survives the off season, um, I, I would not be surprised, but Pep Hamilton, I, I don't know. I mean, that, that's the one, if you would, ask, if you ask the fans, that's the one thing they, they want a new offensive coordinator. He could be the scapegoat to take the bullets for Lovey at that point, but we're joined by Robert Lamb from the Houston sports podcast, sports talk podcast host here. And Robert, we appreciate you jumping on. I got one last question for you here. And one of the controversies I remember hearing was just Lovey's defenses are too predictable. And I think it was during the post-game press conference where they were talking, saying that I think in third and long, you guys are going cover two over 48% of the time. And Lovey flat out admitted it, saying that we're either doing cover two or we're going to blitz one of the two. And just putting that defensive game plan out there for offensive coordinators to pick apart, 
That's what I don't get from the outside. Is that just his personality of this is what we're going to do until you can stop us? Because at one seven and one, if that's what he's been doing this entire season, it's obviously not working. Or is it just based on roster and skill set of the roster? Is that just how it's going to be because they don't have guys that can play other coverages? It's a good question. It's not something that I feel like we'll know until there's real talent, you know, on this team. I mean, that's the real conundrum is it's hard to know what Levy is doing if it, if either one of those are the case. You know, it feels like there's just not the talent to do a ton else. The one frustration that I would say is I, is I definitely feel like Stingley you know, we've picked him with the third pick in the draft. He, he he seems extremely talented. He's not getting beat when he is in man coverage, typically. Um, they picked on him a little bit early in the season, but I was like, just, you know, I, I could see the talent. It was there. I, I would like to see him in more man coverage. Um, I think it's a waste to have him in zone, uh, especially that's the hardest thing I would assume to pick up if you're a rookie. So I do have issues with that, but on the other hand, I'm like, I don't know, I don't know what you do. I mean, I, I wanted to see more blitzes early in the season, but as the season's worn on, it looks like he's, he's trying to blitz more. He's doing that some, but it's, it's so hard because the Texans, there's nobody that's close to a good pass rusher with this group. Um, and then the linebackers are not good at, not only are they not good at tackling, they're not good at, you know, it, finding running backs, you know, they immediately run, they find whatever blocker is the first guy that's going to block them. They're, they're, they're right there, but they're also terrible in space. You know, they're not good in coverage. Like Christian Kirksey, who's the captain and the guy that's leading the linebacking core, he's terrible in coverage. So, you know, to, to do a whole lot that's tricky is, is difficult because the front seven is this bad. I don't think the secondary is terrible. Um, there's some really good guys in the secondary. I think you'll you guys will be impressed with Steven Nelson and Desmond King, and I wouldn't go after those two guys. Um, and, and Stingley, if if he does play man, is really you know pretty good. But uh, you know Petrie, rookie safety, he, he's still learning. He's been struggling a lot. I feel like in the last few weeks, and he's definitely he's nobody's missed more tackles in the NFL than him. You know he's a lot of times in the right position, but he's a terrible tackler. He needs to get stronger. And he used just to get better at it. But yeah, I, I don't, it's hard to tell. I mean, I, I really, and you know, and I'm not somebody that, you know, I, I don't have any coaching experience. So it's just my knowledge of watching the NFL for over 40 years. Um, it, it's really difficult to say whether it would make a whole lot of difference. I mean, yeah, you could get more complicated, but you know, there's so many rookies on, on this team playing defense and so many young guys playing defense or so many guys that just don't, you know, they, they, they wouldn't be in the NFL maybe if they weren't on the Texans, the, the vets that are on the team. So it's it's hard to say. I mean, the thing is, we're in these games. Somehow we're in these games. And the only reason we're in the games is because somehow, you know, eventually they're, they're, they're stopping teams <laughs> as they move the ball down the field. Somehow, some way they, they've stopped teams to the point where they can be in these games. Because, you know, you look at our offense, it's one of the worst in the NFL. And, it, and it's not like the it's not like this defense is uh, getting – turnovers a ton either so you know it's just it's him basically playing pre-vet defense the whole game and eventually it, it, it does pay off a lot of times and keeps him in games a lot more than you would think 
Yeah, it seems like a, a bend but don't break style that Lovey is kind of implementing there and keeping everything in front of you to a degree. But Robert, I really appreciate you jumping on, joining us here in the mess hall. From everything I've heard, you're telling us we got a chance this week. So I'm hoping for the commander's sake that we keep it up and do two in a row. But I've got some good friends that are Texans fans out there. And I am selfishly hoping that you find a steakhouse that you can maybe refer Rally to because that's his victory stake that he ends up getting after the game. But we'll see how it goes. I would say this to the Commanders fans. If you come down here, you will find tickets. It will not be a problem. And you will find good seats. And it, it shouldn't be hard to get more Commanders fans cheering the Texans fans at the game because it's it's pretty much that bad right now. Um, it's a and it's a great it's a really good stadium, NRG Stadium. It's a good stadium to watch a game. We have this retractable roof that we never used because it was so poorly engineered. <laughs> when you open the roof up, it's it's more like a hole in the roof than an actual uh, open air stadium, which which stinks. I mean, Minute made the baseball park. They did a, a hell of a job with that, and it's much more of an open air stadium. But you know, NRG Stadium is it's it's just not uh, conducive to the to the open air. But it's otherwise it's a, it's a nice stadium, and you know, obviously we've hosted a couple of Super Bowls, so um, that's been pretty cool. But um, yeah, I I feel like the Commanders have a pretty good shot this week. It just my big thing is. You got to run the football. Don't give up running the football, whatever you do. <laughs> well, that's, we hope Scott Turner's listening, our offensive coordinator. They ran it 49 times the other night against Philly. So fingers crossed. But Robert, really appreciate you taking the time joining us today and all the best the rest of the season. And, you know, hoping Dusty can maybe pull a repeat because we're definitely in his core. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, I can't, can't wait. We're already counting the days down to the, to the Astros season the way it is right. Oh, we do have the Houston Cougars, by the way, t number third in the country uh, in basketball right now. So that, that, that is the, the, the one thing that can bridge us to the next Astros season, but yeah, the Texans, it's going to be, look, they're two, three years away, at least it's, it's going to take a while. Uh, well, we've all been there. Trust me for me. <laughs> Fan base over here with the commanders that's had three names in three years. We've all been there. So, but I wish you all the best. Once again, thanks for jumping on with us. Take care. Thank you so much. Man, Riley, I thought we had a bad dude. After uh, hearing Robert for the past 20 minutes, I kind of feel bad for Texans fans now. Yeah, I didn't think that anybody could be worse than what we were, but uh, apparently... Man, they are bottom of the barrel scraping, and it seems as though the only uh, bright side that they have is Damian Price. Yeah, and he's definitely a Pierce. huge bright Damian side. Damian Pierce, excuse me, Damian Pierce. Yeah, and Damian Pierce is no joke, man. I mean, having a chance to watch his games, I mean, there's a reason why he's up for a potential offensive rookie of the year. He's averaging 4.7 yards per carry. The guy can move. We talked about it with Robert. I mean, he can catch out the backfield. He's going to be a danger. The good news is, you know, our defense should be up to the task. We faced Derrick Henry. We faced some good running backs this season. And, you know, knocking on wood right now, none of them have really torched us. So if we have a chance to shut down Davis Mills, or sorry, Damon Pierce, I think we got a chance to really turn them one-dimensional and walk away with the win. And six out of their nine games have been by one score. And they had a tie on top of that, but we should beat these guys. There's no excuse for us not to. Our bread and butter is running the ball. We carried the ball 49 times against the Eagles. 
The game plan we had last week is going to be the same game plan we need to have this week. And there is nothing on their team offensively that scares me. They were basically us averaging 16 points a game, but with a horrible defense. The only thing that, that bothers me or scares me or worries me, whatever uh, you want to put on it, is a short week for us. Being that we played such a drag out game last week, and let's face it, the human body can only take so much, even though you are a professional and even though they have all of the different tanks and, and, and oxygen chambers and things of that nature for guys, to, for, for their bodies to recover from, it's still a short week. And those guys are going to pound the rock. And they did it well against Philadelphia. Now, I know that I, I feel that our defense obviously is better than Philadelphia's. But uh, just the, I'm hoping that I see substitutions if needed be. Because I really didn't see a lot of substitutions last week against Philly. I mean, I don't have the, the breakdown of what Payne and Allen did. But I didn't see those guys come out a lot, man. They're not coming out at all really this year. That's the thing is because they don't have a ton of depth behind them. You lose uh, Fildary Mathis at the beginning of the season. I mean, Ridgeway's been coming in, but Payne and Allen have been playing better the more snaps they've been getting. I don't remember them being this dominant at this point. And I'm looking at the injury report right now. So we mentioned earlier Cole Holcomb wasn't with the team. Turns out that Cole and... Let's see, Cole and Carson were outside on the field while the team was in the practice bubble. So Cole was a DNP with a foot. The only person on here that really concerns me is Tyler Larson. He was limited in practice today with a back problem. I don't know how serious that is. I think it might be just like what you said. They're just trying to bounce back. Maybe they don't have their back to tank ready to go over there at the facility. Who knows? <laughs> but what about McKissick? JD, he was a DNP. He's got a neck problem. I'm not counting on JD to be back anytime soon. I don't right. know if it's the same neck issue he had last season that kind of knocked him out. But really, with the emergence of Antonio and B-Rob, there is no room for JD on the field at the same time with those guys. And I wanted us to trade JD before the trade deadline because I feel that you do yourself a disservice as an offense when you put him out there considering what AG has been able to do running and receiving. But someone that did pop up today is Curtis Samuel was limited with a shin problem. So hmm. that's a new one. Well, I got worried last week uh, or Monday rather when uh, AG went out and he stayed on the side for a minute. And I think we had to call that timeout. So I'm wondering yeah. if, if, if he came back in, it was, it was like the end of the first quarter or the second quarter, and he came back in the third quarter, but I was worried about him. So hopefully he's okay as well. He reported a knee today or maybe on Tuesday. I don't know exactly which day, but he was a full participant in practice. And Rivera likes to say you got to wait till the next day. But if it's something was serious, he wouldn't have been a full participant. He would gotcha. have definitely toned it down a little bit or the trainers would have forced him to tone it down. So I'm not too worried about him. It's just Larson considering he's our backup center and we lost Chase Rudy at the beginning of the year. So from a depth perspective, we can't afford to lose an interior guy because our other backup center was Wes Martin. And I don't know what's going on with him or what he's doing at this point. But other than that one bad snap that went over Heineke's head, Tyler's had a good job filling in for Chase. Yeah. 
But what are your keys to the game? I mean, we we kind of talked about it, how, you know, what we did last week versus the Eagles. But from a key perspective, like, what do we have to continue to do for us to leave Texas? And you can get that big steak that, for some reason, I guess Robert doesn't eat red meat. I'm not sure. But what do you have to do to make, you know, the commanders have to do to make sure you get that nice victory steak Sunday well, night? Well, first, first we, we, we definitely have to make sure that we stop Damian Pierce. I mean, he ran over the Eagles. He he really did. And I, I said it a million times, and I'll say it a million and one times. The Eagles' defensive front isn't as good as ours, but at the same time, being on a short week, those guys got fatigued. And as I was saying, I saw that uh, Payne was getting driven back a little bit last week or Monday. He was getting driven back. He did make some stops, but he was getting driven back. That's the only thing that worries me. Um, but, and also what worries me, I shouldn't say the only thing, but what also what worries me is we were on an adrenaline high. I'm afraid that we may have an adrenaline dump. And not to say that we're looking past them, but we can't take them lightly. Yeah, trap game. Yeah, and that's, that's the only thing that, those two things worry me, if you will. And I understand that they're professional, but at the same time, they're human. And we go through these highs and lows, and these peaks and valleys. And so that's what kind of, if you will, worries me, those two issues. I, I think that uh, if we can continue to run the ball and control the clock and not be surprised at their quarterback, even though Robert says their quarterback isn't that good, the fact is he's still an NFL quarterback. And once you sleep on your arrest on your laurels, he can take he can hit you over the top. And so I just don't want that to happen. So I hear you. Those yeah. things, I, I believe we can come out victorious and I can have my victory stake. And they actually asked Rivera about this during his press conference, you know, coming off that high. Is it a challenge? And this is what Ron said. Ron to, Ron, to that point, coming off of such an emotional win, a huge win against Philly, what is the challenge of kind of like almost hitting the reset button? That's exactly what it is, Scott. It is a reset button. Um, we've not arrived by any means, okay? And I'm going to get on my young guys tomorrow because with the way they were celebrating in, in the locker room, the best thing it shows is that th this is the first time they've been there. You know, people tell you, act like you've been there. Well, I'm going to give them a little grief for that. Um, I get it. I appreciate the energy and the excitement. Um, now we have to understand, you know, act like you've been there because um, now they've been there. So let's get refocused. Let's get ready to, to face Houston because, um, again, it's a home game for them. Um, as I said, I, 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 I've always, you know, appreciated and respected the way Coach Smith does things. And I think our players have to understand that. And if it wasn't for players like John Allen and Terry McLaurin, I would be concerned about the guys taking this game lightly. But you know what John will do if you're not doing what you're supposed to do. We all saw that on national TV against the Cowboys. And Terry is going to demand the best out of his teammates because he gives the best each and every single snap, regardless if it's practice. So not overly concerned. And I think that's just coach speak talking about how the guys are partying and hanging out. There was a lot that happened last week with the team throwing B-Rob under the bus and just all the drama and everything else going on. And I don't fault them for just having a blast and partying like they want a playoff game.
and it wasn't by any means, but it was a big deal because no one, including me, gave them a shot winning on Monday night. But for me, my key is Scott Turner. Scott called a game plan and he stuck to it. Even though we were averaging 3.3 yards of run and we weren't really crushing any plays big time, he stuck to his game plan and didn't get cute. He didn't try and do a bunch of different stuff and change it up. We know how you beat the Texans. You run the damn ball. I mean, Chris Russell, this is probably going to be his most favorite game to actually watch and cover for the commanders because all he cares about is running the ball. If we <laughs> do that, we will win this game. We just need to make sure Scott Turner doesn't all of a sudden go back to the Scott Turner of old and start calling flea flickers to John Bates or all these reverse end arounds and get us in a hole and call stupid mistakes because he's getting bored with the play calling. I hear you, man. I call it the, the FF football, finesse football. I don't want to see finesse football. If it, if it calls for being old school, running down the throat, then that's what you need to do, running down the throat. Yeah, that's what I'm hoping we do this week because the players, we've got more talent on our roster, up and down on all sides of the ball. I, I'm not worried about that. It comes down to coaching and game plan. And Lovey Smith is 1-7-1 for a reason. And Rivera keeps touting he's a good coach. He's a good coach. Well, Lovey fired Rivera when they were in Chicago. So I'm sure Rivera's got a chip on his shoulder that he's not going to talk about. But Lovey basically got rid of him because he wasn't the one that hired him. He inherited Ron when he took over there. And then Ron took a year off from football because he didn't have a place to go to after that. So I'm sure this one's going to mean something to him. And I'm hoping that the players step up again for Ron and get this dub. But who is your Warbridge Collectibles signature player this week? This week, Ted, it has to be Mayo, starting linebacker. Uh, and I say that because if by chance Damian Pierce uh, gets past our interior, he's the next man up. He's He's got to stop him. So I'm looking for good linebacker play from Mayo. So you're taking Mayo over Jamin Davis. Yeah. I, I feel that Davis has shown me that he can do it. Mayo is still one of the guys who, even though he's a vet, he's it's going to come down to it because i have i feel as, as though they're going to they're going to do their best to to isolate uh jamin davis and i feel as though mayo could possibly be the weak the weak link and i need him to step up so i'm not sure if he's gonna get a chance to really step on that field because not last mayo? week no last well, week it was mainly bostic and jamin davis jamin I'm, played, I'm sorry i'm sorry then mayo that's a, okay then if, we, if whoever is playing our 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 weak side or what opposite of Davis, because I'm not gotcha. sure if Davis is strong side or weak side, but but whomever is opposite of Davis, that's who it is. And I thought it was Mayo, but uh, as I as, you, as I always tell you, you don't know who's in the game when you're looking at it live. So oh yeah, no, it's tough to see when you're out there on the field. Yeah, I mean Mayo didn't really do much, and he's also banged up right now. But I think you mean Bostic. Bostic and yeah, I I agree with you. I hear you there. He's gonna have to step up, but. For me, it's Jamin because I feel they're going to try and run more read option with this guy. They're going to try and get out to the edges around us. And, man, I knocked Jamin a ton last season and this season. And last season, he did nothing. 
beginning of this season, his own coaches were throwing him under the bus. But since what's his face? Uh, Mullet guy. Why am I drawing a blank? Since Cole Holcomb, Holcomb went down. Holcomb. Yeah. Since Holcomb's gone down, Jamin has done great at middle linebacker. He's calling the plays. He's getting the guys in position. I mean, the defense has done well. And it's the same position he struggled at last year. He's playing Mike right now. And last year they tried to do it and he didn't do it successfully. But now, for whatever reason, you know, maybe another year in the system, he's just stepping up to the occasion. And this defense is riding high. And I think he's going to be key to make sure we shut down Pierce, but also make sure we don't let them try some of that read option with Mills. Because there were a couple times where he could have kept it last week against Giants, and he didn't, and he handed it off. I don't know if it's because he was scared, but it wouldn't surprise me if he decided to keep a couple of them this week. But I think our defense has a chance to shut them down again. And I'm not saying we're going to run the ball 49 times again to get this W, but I'm hoping the defense can hopefully, you know, make it a little bit easier so we don't have to play shootout ball because I feel that Rivera went for a couple of those fourth downs earlier in the game and decided not to kick field goals because he was worried we we're going to get into a shootout mm -hmm. I don't think we're going to get into a shootout with these guys fingers crossed that we don't bro yeah I mean they're averaging 16 points a game we were averaging 17 before the Eagles game and that last touchdown kind of tacked it on when Ridgeway got that fumble but from a score and prediction, what are you thinking? I'm thinking, uh, I'm thinking they'll get 19 and we'll get 23. Really? You think it's going to be that close? Yeah. Well, that'll be on par with all one score games that they've had pretty much. And that's what I'm going with it. I mean, because yeah. we, we, we really haven't blown anyone out. I would love to see a blowout. I really would. So, but uh, I just think this is going to be just a closer game. And even though we're playing in their stadium, let's face it, even and they're one and seven, their fans are still there. So I, we still got to look at playing on the road. So uh, I just feel as though it's going to be a closer game than what everybody thinks. Yeah, I'm, I guess maybe I'm sleeping on them because of who they are the fact that they are one seven and one and that one game that they won was a 13 to six game you know beginning of the season they're not lighting the world on fire really in any category and lovey smith his defense is predictable i mean they run a cover two 50 percent of the time on third down and we can easily beat that if we know it's coming so i feel a little more confident i'm thinking a 27 13 game commanders I think we get a chance to relax in the fourth quarter and that it's not a fluky touchdown at the end that gets us to 27. I think we're going to prove that we can build off of that Eagles win. Because if we put up a dud here, all the good grace that they built up from that Monday night win completely goes out the window. And we're the Titanic iceberg straight ahead again going into the next week versus Atlanta. <laughs> yeah. No, we're 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 gonna be all right, man. And, and I gotta tell you, I I, I sense a difference in the city. I, I I just see a difference. I can see the difference in the city, man. Just with this win over the Eagles. Yeah, I'm I'm right there with you, man. It was a huge win. I was walking around with my DC proper jacket the other day, getting mad props. Whereas you know a week or two ago, it definitely wasn't the same feeling walking around. 
So I'm hoping we can ride this high. We're a half a game back from the 49ers. Let's make a run, man, like we always do towards the end of the season. Let's make a run and see what can happen and then just ride this wave as long as we can because they don't come that often here in D.C. And after yeah. hearing how bad Houston has it, I don't feel so bad about us anymore. Yep. And just like how they, last year's slogan or the year before slogan was, why not us? Hey, it's back to it. Why not us? Amen. And Amen. One, that brings us to a close of this episode of the DMV Mess Hall. And I tell you guys, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, and so does Ted, you could be anywhere listening, but you decided to be with us, and we greatly appreciate it. And do us a favor. Hit the like. Hit the subscribe. We need that from you guys. If you want to continue to hear great content from us, we need that from you guys. Just a little bit, if you don't mind. And as always, in closing, rep it hard or don't rep it at all. Rally, Captain. Tailgate Ted. And we're going to be gone.